All right, we have an interesting episode for you guys today. We have Brian Torresani of Arcadia University joining us today. So Matt, let's hit the intro music and we'll get right into this. Hello and welcome to this edition of Side Retired, the MLB podcast. It is Dylan and Matt as always. And well, today we have a great episode for you guys. Brian Torresani, as we just mentioned, of Arcadia is going to be joining us today. Matt, how are you doing before we introduce Coach? Great. Baseball season's finally here. And he just played their second, or he's in the middle of their second series right now. So definitely uh, happy to see my team out on the field right now and see everybody else getting on the field. So the spring is finally sprung. And as you can tell, Matt is battling the elements right now. So while you might not hear Matt as much on today's episode, it is a Saturday morning. And of course, we're having a blast talking baseball. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well, guys. I, uh, I'm i ready to go. We got a big weekend coming up. I'm excited to talk to you guys. And uh, yeah, it should be good. Sounds like a blast. So obviously, the first question that we do sort of throw out there is just in case anyone doesn't know who you are, what Arcadia is, sort of that vague but general question that you can sort of take in whatever uh, direction you want to do sort of who are you and what do you do in the baseball world absolutely yeah so as you mentioned my name is brian torsani i'm the uh, i'm the head coach at arcadia university we're a division three school um basically a mile outside the city limits of philadelphia so a suburban town called glenside pennsylvania and uh yeah i've been here seven years this is my 16th year overall and i spent every my entire baseball career in college baseball and and uh yeah just excited to uh talk to you guys today absolutely so i think the first question that comes to our mind is when you're little you probably want to be the pitcher or the guy that wins the world series and then there comes a point where you sort of know all right that's not going to be my future it's not going to be my journey but you've taken the steps or all right well now i want to be the coach of the team that's winning it all how sort of what was that career journey like when did you know you wanted to get into coaching and sort of take us through that decision process yeah absolutely i think my uh my path was probably a little different than some other guys where uh my dad was a lifelong uh, high school football basketball and baseball coach so i grew up around high school sports my entire life so going to practices going to games and and i kind of knew from an early age that that's what i wanted to do i wanted to be like dad basically and uh following his footsteps so you know i through my playing journey i was always a uh you know, I was a solid player. I was not anything special. I, I was good enough to stay on the field and, and I was a good defender and didn't strike out a lot and all that stuff. But I always kind of had a coaching mindset, I think. And, um, you know, so I was kind of cataloging things as throughout my playing career for, for these moments now. And so, you know, when my playing career ended at Elizabethtown College, I, I jumped right in and um, I actually did spend one year at my high school and then uh, I got in, into the college game. So, uh, I never really had like that moment of like, man, my playing career is over. I'm so upset. And and now I don't know what I'm going to do. I kind of knew from the jump that I was sort of preparing for this career. And and uh, I'm glad I did. I, I, I don't know what else I would do, to be completely honest with you. <laughs> Not really qualified for a whole lot else. <laughs> Matt, you got a question you want to jump in with? Yeah, sure. So you talked about how, you know, you spent a year in high school and then you got into the college world. You know, it's not easy to just call up a, a school and be like, hey, I want to coach, right? And you didn't end up back in Elizabethtown, if I'm correct. So how does that kind of thing work? Yeah, definitely. So, um, again, like, 
even for me that somebody that knew that they wanted to do this, that, like to your point, like the stars had to kind of align the right way. So, um, you know, I, w- I was in at my high school, like you mentioned, and, um, you know, I kind of always had the inkling of wanting to coach in college and it just worked out that um, my college coach from Penn State Abington, actually, I played there the first two years of my career back when that was a two year junior college program. They're obviously now division three and, and a four year program. But my coach um, there, Bob Spratt at the time, had taken kind of like a leave of absence from coaching. He had four really young kids at, pretty close together. But um, after his gap and, and stopping coaching, he got the job at Chestnut Hill College, which is a Division two school, actually not far from Arcadia. And uh, it was a brand new program. Chestnut Hill was an all-women's Catholic college and was starting to add males to the undergraduate program and adding men's sports. And uh, he called me when he got that job and and asked me to come join his staff. And, and uh, so I was there from the first year that there was ever a baseball program on that campus to the end of the fifth season, which was uh, which was really cool. And Coach Spratt's still there um, to, to today. This has I think this is his 20th or 21st year at Chestnut Hill. He's the only coach ever in, in program history there. So, you know, that just uh, again, I mentioned like as a player, I kind of had that that coaching mindset. And, and Bob was somebody that I really enjoyed playing for because he thinks about the game differently. And we clicked really well, like coach to player. And then learning under him for five years was just a, a blessing, man. I mean, we literally had nothing. You're talking about Catholic school, all girls, like no batting cage on campus, no field <laughs> on campus. Like, I mean, we were grinding it out, like just making it happen. So it was a really cool way to cut my teeth in college coaching. hundred <laughs> percent. then sort of what was that transition like? I know there you mentioned that you're the assistant coach. Do you think it's any or that much different now as you're a head coach? Sort of what was that transition like? And eventually, how do you end up? Here now at Arcadia, the head coach, which I think you said entering your seventh season, if I have correct. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely, uh, I guess I'll start it this way. Like I was lucky that, that a couple of those years with Bob, it was only the two of us. So I had a lot of responsibility. I was, I coached the pitchers. Um, I coached first base on game day. I called all the pitches. Like I was in charge of meals and equipment and you name it. Like I was kind of doing, we were and not, to, not that he was doing nothing. We, we were doing it together, but um, you know, I, I had a lion's share of the responsibility, which I think really helped me prepare to be you know, partially to be a head coach. And, um, you know, he gave me a lot of leeway and he trusts me, which I appreciate. But that first time I, when you when you get, you know, that that first head coaching job, which mine was at Immaculata, not not long after I was at Chestnut Hill. So I was there for four years. Right. And you're like in the big seat and you got to make your first big decision and, you know, you don't get to defer to anybody else. Like you're the <laughs> one that has to make make that call, whether it's an in-game decision or, uh, you know, whatever, off the off the field conduct decision or whatever. Like it just there's not I don't think there's anything that can like really prepare you for some of the sleepless nights and some of the like just big decision making that has to happen. And um, I've gotten better at that over the years, but I sh- certainly made my fair share of mistakes in the beginning. There's no doubt. <laughs> And it's also fun to hear because I think that's the difference between, I know, and you can probably talk about this more, the D1 versus D3, and that the coaches at D3 really have to roll up your sleeves. You're doing a lot of sort of all the dirty work, all the grinding it out work, raking the field, making sure all the meals are correct. There's no SID that's going to sort of get everything done for you guys. You just show up on game day. And you're like, all right, baseball, and that's it. There's a, a whole different other lifestyle that you have to deal with as well. And sort of if there's anything else you want to say, because I know you've been in baseball not too long, but definitely have a decade plus under your belt to sort of, is there anything really different from that first time, that first season versus now that's really that much different? Yeah, there is. And I think the biggest thing for me is, you know, when I first started doing this, like it was all about the wins and losses. Right. And, you know, everything was sort of like, 
with the players, even like this transactional relationship of like, what are you doing for me to, to win baseball games on the field? And, you know, as I've grown in my career and matured a little bit, like it's become a lot more like about the relationship with the players and making sure that we're doing the right things off the field and taking care of what we need to. And it's funny how, even in my career, like the recent success that I we've had as a program, but like we focus less on winning baseball games and more on just like being good people and, and doing the right thing. Not that we don't work hard at baseball, but um, you know, like when we lose, it's not the end of the world anymore. Like it used to be. And it's funny how we can respond a little bit better after some of those tough times now. So I guess that was a long answer, but like just the uh, sort of like the change of mindset of, of this isn't life and death and, and uh, you know, just trying to get to know guys better and, and making sure they're taken care of. I think it's led to just a really cool atmosphere around our program. No, that's a great advice and great to hear. I think also sort of adding on to that point of a mindset, do you think, and you mentioned that you always had this sort of coach's mindset when you were playing. Do you think now that you're a coach, you have sort of that, oh, I used to be a player. I was in these guys' shoes a couple of years ago. And like, do you think that sort of affected how you manage, how you coach and all that? Yeah, I actually think that's something that I've actually gotten better at in the last couple of years. And actually even in the last six months, and I'll, and I'll tell you why in a second, but like, it's hard. Like I'm, you know, I'm going to be 39 years old in a month. I haven't really played in 17 years, you know? So it's like, it's been a while, like new bats come out and stuff. And I'm like, yeah. And guys are talking about it. And I'm like, I, I don't know. Like that looks like a nice bat. Like, I don't know. Like what, what's the, I should probably be more educated, but um, you know, and, and in the last six months we, we made a new coaching hire here at, as our full-time assistant and his name's Dylan Tice. And Dylan is uh, just getting out of a five-year professional playing career, you know, and he, he's almost 30 and, and uh, so he's got some life experience too, but he literally just got done playing as mm -hmm. a professional last year. And so he's brought up things that, you know, I kind of forgot about and not playing. And even as recently as yesterday, you know, we were in the office, we just played our first game on Thursday and, you know, we're, our, some, some of our guys are saying they're sore already. And I'm like, how could they be sore? It's one game. And, <laughs> and Dylan was like, He's like, the first week is always the toughest. Like you're in spikes the most, you're on the field the most, you're on your feet the most. Like there's pregame, there's this, there's that. And like, as a coach, like I just kind of forget, I, I'm so distanced from it now that like, that was a good reminder of like, it's not always as easy as it looks. Like these guys are, are going through a lot, their bodies are going through a lot. And sometimes just taking it easy for a day or a rest day is important. So anyway, I think like, I've tried to see the game a little bit more through the player's eyes and I try to stay connected and stay up to date on sort of what's cool and what's not cool, but, and, and keep that relationship, but it definitely gets more challenging. The older you get, you got to kind of work even harder at it, I think. So hundred percent. And then I think you did just mention you guys played your first game on Thursday. I believe you have a couple more games coming up later this weekend, or technically I assume since this might get released early in the week. So you guys have played a couple other games since this point, but sort of, if you want to take us through what is Arcadia baseball like, what's the atmosphere, where are you guys located, sort of for someone who might not know what Arcadia University is, sort of not a pitch for Arcadia baseball, but sort of what's it like in atmosphere? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, we're pretty fortunate. I mentioned, uh, you know, being at Chestnut Hill, that we did not have a lot of resources and, and uh, you know, Arcadia, it's, it's a little bit the opposite where, you know, we've worked hard for some of our resources. Our guys do an excellent job, like fundraising and, and gen generating some revenue so that we can create like a really cool experience. And, um, you know, I, I tell people that we try to look at ourselves as a division one program wrapped in a division three body. So we have a really uh, nice uh, baseball facility. It's actually Temple University's old facility, uh, you know, before they dropped the program about eight or nine years ago, I guess, at this point. 
Um, it's about 10 minutes from campus. It's just, it's a beautiful field. We have a whole clubhouse there with locker rooms, coaches, offices, a weight room, training room, laundry room, like you name it. It's kind of like a one-stop shop for, for everything that, that we do. And, uh, you know, even on campus, like, you know, we have an excellent uh, strength conditioning program and, and coaches there. And um, we just try to treat our guys as, as best we can. And as close to that division one level, you know, as possible. And, and I think, that's really spilled over like into the way that we play. Like our guys go out there and feel like, you know, they're confident because they're getting prepared the right way. They're um, you know, their strength and conditioning coaches is, is, is a division, former division one guy. So like, it just, I think all those parts together really help us. Um, you know, there, there's a reason why we've had the success we've had. It hasn't been like a magic pill that we've taken overnight and all of a sudden we go 40 and nine and, and, and whatever, and get ranked in the country. I mean, this has been sort of a slow build of like building up, the resources behind the program coach Tice is full-time not every division three program has a full-time assistant that's a huge advantage for us I think and so um you know just a lot in our favor that has helped with the success and that doesn't happen without a village of people our administration our athletic trainers like everybody kind of plays a part in in the success of a program so um the environment around our program is awesome I tell people all the time like our players are our best recruiters so when we have guys on campus or, or just in the community or whatever, like uh, it's our players really that are the ones that you get the credit for, for the success because um, they carry themselves the right way. They don't get in trouble off the field. They're not jerks on the field. I mean, we play hard as heck, but like we're not <laughs> chirping at the umpires, chirping at the other team. Like it's just a really good atmosphere and environment around our program on a daily basis. I'm, I'm proud of that. Awesome. You briefly talked about recruiting from, from the players' perspectives, you know, if you see what a day in the life at Arcadia is like, you will want to come to Arcadia. But, you know, I've been at Diamond Nation and I've seen I've seen your logo before and you know, I've seen a lot of the, kind of the other D3s around us. Um, and presumably you guys recruit regionally, right? Like most of the guys are probably New York, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, that, that whole thing. Um, yep. I guess how much is that an asset to you that you guys focus on this one specific region? versus looking maybe as nationally as a, a bigger program or a D1 program? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're, we're fortunate in a lot of ways when it comes to recruiting from that standpoint in that, first of all, baseball right in our backyard is high school baseball is really good. You know, there's the Suburban One League, the Philadelphia Catholic League, um, you know, the, the Interact, like there's, and, and many others, and even into New Jersey. So we don't have to go far from home to find a pool of really talented players, which is, which is helpful. And we always want to take care of our backyard first. I mean, we have a lot of guys in our program that are within probably 30 minutes of campus, you know, and, and it's not intentional necessarily. Well, I guess it is partially intentional, but like that's uh, we feel like if, if we don't miss on some of those guys that are right here and might want to stay close to home, then, then we're in a good spot, you know? And so, you know, and then you mentioned Diamond Nation, like that, that place itself has been an asset for us. It's about 50 minutes from campus. So it's an easy drive in the summer and, you know, guys are coming from all over the country and especially this Northeast region to go play there. So we got to drive 50 minutes and we can see in a day, we can see whatever 20, 25 teams play, you know, and, and, and really generate a pool of, of possible leads and recruits to, to kind of go after. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we're definitely a regional recruit. I would say we do once in a while reach outside the region. If we have some kind of connection or, you know, a kid sends us a really good email and, and, and piques our interest. Like that's always helpful too. But um, by and large, we're trying to take care of about a two hour radius around campus for sure. And then I'm sure so there's probably a lot of high schoolers out there that all of a sudden they see 
interview with Coach Tursani of Arcadia University, and they want to sort of eat up the content and listen to everything you can possibly say. So sort of without giving away all the tricks of the trade, because I assume you don't want to give your entire recruiting plan away, sort of if you have one or two pieces of advice to that high school sophomore junior who's listening right now and saying, my future, I really want to play at Arcadia Baseball. Is there sort of one or two things that you want to say, right, if you want to be a part of the team in the future, you know, this is sort of good advice for you to follow type of thing. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, I think the, the sometimes the piece that gets missing in, in this whole thing is like, you have to be a talented, you have to be a talented baseball player with a good work ethic at the end of the day. Right. So like we go out to recruit, like we are looking for a certain level of, of talent. And so, you know, I think as a sophomore or junior, like, not getting caught up so much in the recruiting process, but getting caught up more in like the development process as a player, I think is the most important thing, right? Like you can post as many things on social media as possible and as many showcases and all that stuff. But it's like, what are you doing in the times that you're not public? You know, you're Mm -hmm. not playing in games. You're not posting on social media. Like, um, you know, are you in the weight room under the direction of a good strength coach and program? And that's always helpful. Like, are you with a good hitting or pitching instructor that can actually, to help develop you some and get you to get you to a point where you become a recruitable, um, you know, student athlete. And then, you know, I think the thing at our level, like the piece of advice I would give a kid that's really interested in coming to Arcadia is certainly to reach out and, and, and let us know, you know, and, and um, you know, we, we keep a catalog of guys schedules for the summer and, and try to get out and see as many of those guys that reach out to us as possible, because listen, those are kids that are obviously interested in the university and, and then the other side of it too is, and this is not a, like a advertisement for our prospect camps. We only run two of them. They're not really generated as a moneymaker necessarily for us. Like we really do recruit out of our camps, but if you're interested in, in coming to Arcadia, coming to camp in July or August is always helpful because we get a full day look at you and you can see the school, you can see the clubhouse, you can meet the coaching staff, some of our players. Like I think those are the the two things that I would probably do at our standpoint and every school is different, but you know, that's definitely the, the a good route to go. No, that's great advice. I think sort of following up on that, that's kind of related to this, but it's more your recruiting process itself as a coach and sort of your head coach at a former at a already at another school, probably really happy where you were and then having a good time. But then you do jump ship and you do come to Arcadia. So sort of what drew you in as a coach? Say, yeah, I'm having a good time where I am right now, but going to Arcadia, I really want to go there. And that's sort of the future. Now, obviously, you're here for seven years, so you're having a great time doing well as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you're right. I, it, my experience at Immaculata was really good. I, I have like, I mean, I got two save the date invitations on my fridge for weddings for, for players from there and, and for this, this coming year. And, and uh, you know, it was a really good place to cut my teeth and, and, and a couple of things that drew me to Arcadia to be completely honest. The first thing is it's much closer to my house. So mm-hmm. um, that made my, my wife and I, my wife, Chelsea and I have two kids, Paige and Carson, Paige is nine and Carson is four. And, and seven years ago, they were, you know, Carson wasn't even born yet. Paige was a, basically a baby. And, and like, it was just, it's nice to be able to be home in 15 minutes when the work day is over. So that, that was uh, compared to about an hour. So that, that was definitely a life changer, but past that, like I just saw Arcadia as sort of this like sleeping giant in, in the region. Um, you know, the, the program had a full-time assistant when I got here, which was rare. Um, I knew the athletic director was somebody that wanted to win, at, you know, at a pretty high level. Um, the, the indoor facilities there were fantastic. Like, and that's important for a Northern school. I mean, this year has been an outlier. We've been on the field more than any other year, but normally we're practicing inside for till we about till we go to Florida. Um, 
you know, and we, and we played Arcadia multiple times when I was at Immaculata and uh, I just saw sort of the type of player they were able to attract there, um, you know, and, and thought that probably can get maybe one step ahead with in recruiting to, to Arcadia than I was able to get at Immaculata at the time. So, um, you know, it just all kind of worked out together and yeah, it's been seven years and honestly, it doesn't even feel that long. Like I, I still feel like I'm new and I, and I look up at staff meetings and I'm like, wow, I'm like one of the oldest, co- I mean, you know, I'm one of the more veteran coaches in the room now. So it's been a cool transition. And then obviously you have a great team again this year. You guys won, I believe it's 14 to four in your first game of the season. So you guys are looking good offensively and on the pitching side as well this year. So they're sort of, um, not that the expectation is high, but I assume you as a coach are going into every single season saying, you know, I want to win the championship. I want to win the conference and sort of outlook on the team this year. Sort of what do you think is a strong aspect? If there's any players or two that you want to give a shout out to and say, I really am going to rely on these guys this year, but sort of what's the team looking like this year, coach? Yeah, definitely. I, you know, we have, you're right. I mean, we we're coming off a really good year. We, we lost, you know, a few key pieces and, and I think we've done a good job never I hate using the word replace but a good job trying to make up for those losses I guess is 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 what I'm looking for and I think for us it always start it starts with pitching and defense that's what we feel like is our hallmark you know and uh pitching and defense travels too so it doesn't just win at home and and uh the offense uh will be good but there's days where the bats are fickle and if you can if you can pitch and play D you always get it you always have a chance to win the game and so you know on the mound is I think is our biggest strength you know we'll uh Hunter Sibley who's a transfer from Coastal Carolina he'll make his season debut on Sunday he's the ace of the staff he pitched great for us last year um you know as a starter and and he'll be kind of our horse um you know for this year but even past him we're just we're pretty deep we feel like, you know, nine, 10 arms on the mound that can get people out at a high level at this in, you know, at this level. So, um, you know, we feel fortunate there. And then Alex Madera is our shortstop. Uh, he's just tremendous all the way around, but I mean, defensively, he is uh, a top level um, player and, and he's committed to the university of North Carolina as a graduate student to go play for the Tar Heels. So um, I think that kind of speaks for itself in terms of what type of player he is. He's our leadoff hitter um, was uh Second team all region last year should have been an all American, but uh, the player of the year in the country was the first team all region shortstop Ryan McCarty in our, in our own region. So Alex wasn't even up for grabs on the all American teams, but Alex is an all American. So I'm just putting that out there to everybody listening. He was a 2022 all American for all all intents and purposes. Uh, But, but past that, I mean, we just have like so many guys that just fill their role. It's interesting. I know I'm talking a while here. Yeah. We won 14 to four you know, on Thursday. And, and to be honest, like the top of our lineup didn't do a whole lot, but from six to nine, our guys were seven for 12 with five RBIs, five walks, two hit by pitches. And like our, our lineup is just deep, man. Like you have to pitch to get us out. And, and uh, some of these guys are unheralded, but they make, they make it really tough on opposing pitchers. That's amazing here. Cause I know sort of those deepest lineups, I know a lot of teams will always, and even it's D1, D2, D3, that two through four hitters, tend to be big matchers, big boppers, no matter where you are. But it seems like the teams that succeed are those teams that you mentioned. Your leadoff hitter is really good. The 7-8-9 is amazing. And sort of yeah. having a deep lineup as well as multiple pitchers during a weekend that you trust to go five, six, seven innings. That's definitely a really good positive to have on your team. Absolutely. So I think sort of the last question that we did have for you, because you did mention the whole um, you value your players both on and off the field. And there's this phrase or correct me if I have it wrong, on Arcadia University's website that says Arcadians succeed in the world. It's sort of your motto of the school or sort of something you guys pride in raising all your players, your students. And so sort of 
What do you think that applies to in the baseball world as a coach? Obviously, you want to be the best baseball player, but I assume it's also about raising the most people or the right people and sort of that phrase of Arcadians succeed in the world. Yeah, absolutely. I think, again, it goes back to your question a few minutes ago about like what's changed for me as a coach. And, um, you know, in my role, I'm fortunate to have a really good coaching staff where like, you know, like I mentioned, Dylan Tice, he takes care of the hitters and the and the uh, infielders. Jimmy Goulden's our pitching coach. Like he has the pitchers. My dad, who I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, actually on our on my staff as well. He coaches our outfielders, does all of our bunting. Keith Curley does all of our base running. Um, Nick Opelkowski coaches our catchers. John Conant uh, runs the bullpen and does some others, and he's our assistant pitching coach. So it's like, what's left for me to do? You know, <laughs> and like, and so from my seat, like I really take care of like the, the culture piece of of uh, of making sure that our guys are. Um, you know, essentially we talk about wanting to win championships and we, and we tell them like, you, then you got to be a champion day in and day out, both on and off the field. And, you know, our, our core values, are effort, attitude, toughness, and acceptance. And even today we'll have a team meeting at 11 AM. The first thing we'll do is I'll send them a link to their, to their uh, core value report card. We do this once a month and uh, they essentially rate themselves in those areas and, and sort of self-evaluate and, and recommend somebody on the team that that's the best in those areas in the last month. And like, these are things that like any kindergartner would learn, right? Like having a positive attitude, handling adversity. Well, um, you know, whatever, never quitting all that kind of stuff. Like that to me are lessons that transcend baseball. I think baseball teaches a lot of those lessons and this probably sounds cliche and corny, but it's the, it's the gosh darn truth, man. Like (laughs) these guys are going to face a lot of tough times um, in their life down the road. And, And I think playing college baseball, and especially playing baseball in our program. And, and I don't say that from an ego standpoint, but I just believe this wholeheartedly is preparing them for life after college. And so um, that's a big piece from my seat as much as they right now is 18 to 24 year olds. It used to be 18 to 22 year olds, but now we have some older guys too, because of COVID, you know, but they, you know, preparing them for that, that their thirties, forties, fifties, like to me is even more important now than, than winning a baseball game. So 100%. Anyway, and I know it's sort of, yeah, that's the thing. It's sort of as you get more experience and knowledge, you realize those corny phrases that your parents told you growing up and that you hear <laughs> in school, they turn out to be true. And when they show up, you're like, shoot, yeah, they were right yeah. the whole time. But I know. Yeah, I say like I say I say all the time to them, like I sound like my dad, like and and he's standing right next to me and I'm like, You're right, dad. I don't know what to tell you. I was a pain in your butt, but you're right the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I do also want to give a shout out and thanks so much to Trevor Powers. I know he was the one that initially linked us up. He said that you should reach out to my former coach, Coach Torasani and Thanks so much to Trevor for helping us out here because I know, at least Matt, I don't know if you can talk because I know your voice is struggling right now, but I know we had a blast talking to you, coach. Awesome. I really appreciate the opportunity, guys, and uh, you know, best of luck with the show, and, and it was a really pleasure meeting you guys today. Sounds great. Thanks so much for hopping on. We really hope you have a great season, and we're definitely going to be watching from a distance. Yes, sir. Thanks so much. So for Dylan and Matt, as well as coach, until the next time, the side is retired. Great news. Side Retired is now partnered with SeatGeek. For all ticketing needs, go to SeatGeek.com and use promo code SideRetiredPod in all caps for $20 off your first order. We've got you covered from all things ranging from sporting events to concerts, including MLB and NHL. Yes, this means we are officially taking you out to the ballgame. All right, that was a great episode just now talking with Coach Torasani of Arcadia University. Really enjoyed talking to Coach and hearing his perspective and his career journey. Lots of great insight and stories, and we really want to thank so much for recommending that interview to us, and we really enjoyed it. So thanks to Trevor Powers for suggesting us to have Coach Torasani on. 
Of course, we'll have a lot of great, interesting episodes coming up in the future. More interviews. The head coach of Amherst University will be joining us later this week, as well as a really special guest to celebrate Women's History Month, which is starting on March 1st. So definitely make sure to subscribe. TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all the fun places. James, Jack, and I will be back later this week. So until the next time, continue watching baseball and the side is retired.